Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, you're here with uh, episode number two. Uh, my name is Jordan Carrier. I'm one of your co-hosts here. And uh, Armin Schellenberg, our other co-host, how are we doing today? I'm doing swell. Thanks for asking, Jordan. Excited for episode two. Here we come. Absolutely. Uh, so what, uh, can you tell everybody what's, uh, what you've been up to, what's new and exciting in the last little bit since, uh, since we've had our first podcast? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's been an adventure. I'm a new father. Um, well, not since the last podcast, but uh, just recently here and uh, it's been great. And fantasy wise, uh, haven't done too much with my dynasty team recently. I've been trying to look around, see if there's anything I can move around, but haven't done much, but fantasy basketball, I just made a trade today in a keeper league. I traded uh, Dame Lillard and Ben Simmons. I got them and I traded away a first and third round pick for next year, taking a run at the title. So, right on. Not just the, not just a football fantasy guy, hey, a basketball guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Platforms. Um, for myself, not a whole heck of a lot. I, um, just same as usual, a little bit of rentals, but actually it was kind of nice. I got to head down uh, back to Battleford on Saturday for my niece's birthday. I uh, can see a few of the family, just kind of a quick get together. That was the first time I've seen them in quite some time, obviously with the pandemic and haven't been able to visit too much. And, and actually that was, so my, uh, my nephew was born in September and that was the second time I've seen him. The first time was just like a quick pit stop. Hello. But that was the first, like probably first time I actually like, got to spend some time with us. So that was kind of cool to be able to finally spend some time with my nephew. But uh, other than that, just been watching some college basketball and busting my own bracket. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's been pretty well. That's a, other than yeah. that, she's been, well, I guess we, I did mention too, I've been trying to make a few trades. I wanted to get a Deshaun Watson trade just to kind of have a bit of a conversational piece on the podcast, but nothing, nothing's come to fruition yet, but I guess we'll, uh, time will tell on that. So, I guess um, I guess we might as well get ourselves going here um, with the headliner or insiders and headliners uh, segment. Um, yes, we have a couple pieces of news that we'll talk about here. We'll get ourselves going. Uh, the first piece of news: Drew Brees retirement. Um, I mean, what do you figure, Armin? Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm, is that with even in a, in a discussion? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of automatic at this point, right? Yes, like, I'm. Uh, so Drew Brees, twenty year, twenty season career playing with San Diego through 01 through 05, uh, and then New Orleans from 06. So obviously, this 2021 season uh, was a second round, late second round, second round, 32 pick in 2001. Uh, 287 games played. 7,142 completed passes, 80,358 yards, uh, 571 touchdowns, 13-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl 44 champion and MVP. I mean, if there is a Hall of Fame stat line, that's got to be it, I, I would imagine. Hey, Armin? Yeah. I I think, though, like, who knows? For, for first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe that's a – that's a bet that you bet against it and you can make a ton of money if you won that bet, eh? Yeah, I can only, I mean, uh, I'm going to take the field on that one. I think he, uh, I think yeah. it's pretty automatic, but um, I had to get him on the jersey on the wall there for, for his retirement, Drew, B, yeah, Drew, Drew Brees. But um, I mean, fantasy could do as much as you wanted. Talk NFL purposes, like the amount of amount of work and the amount of uh, the good he did for that city through the hurricane and through, I mean, just 
helping through that perspective. And then even just what he did fantasy, uh, fantasy football wise, or he did football wise, um, just a, a pretty, a pretty stand up guy, Drew Brees. I even put a little mention here too. Like as he was preparing to potentially retire, he, um, he restructured his contract creating 24 million cap space for them moving forward. I mean, like that's big, good guy. Like he's easy just to take the money and, you know, but uh, not, not only thinking about himself, but thinking about the franchise moving forward too. So obviously that's a pretty significant piece of piece of news. Drew Brees. Um, now it opens the door for, uh, for a little bit of a QB battle down, I guess. Well, we can talk about that a little bit later, but uh, Ty, uh, Tyson Hill and, uh, and Jamison Winston, so two guys that are going to be battling away for that uh, starting quarterback position in uh, New Orleans here. Uh, I mean, if you had to make a quick guess here, Armand, do you, uh, do you have any idea who's going to be that new starter? I got a feeling it's probably going to be Winston. Um, they love Hill there. He's a great football player, but I don't think he's the quarterback of, of a franchise. He's not going to take you anywhere special, right? He's, but he's just an all-around good football player. Yeah, they, I mean, they paid both of them. We'll talk about it in the contracts coming up here. They both got paid. So I think they're both set up to just battle through and see who it's going to be. I think Jameis was outside looking in with this past year. They, they gave him the contract to begin with, but with no training camp, no preseason, I think it was going to be tough for him to kind of step in that role where, where Taysom had already been there. Um, yeah. But now at least they have the offseason, hopefully have training camp, hopefully have uh, some preseason games where they can battle away. But uh, I just read the report there earlier today that they figure um, Jameis Winston is going to have the, the upper hand at this moment. So I guess only time will tell for the, that vacated uh, quarterback position. Um, the second piece of news here, and it's uh, it's an unfortunate one. It's not one that's by any means we, uh, we enjoy talking about. Uh, it, I mean, honestly, it's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about it, but uh, Deshaun Watson accusations. Um, it's not good. Like it's not good. I know I just, I, we had prepared for our show here with some of our, um, some of our informational pieces, but um, even though again, uh, today a 14th person has come forward with accusations of uh, uh, sexual, was it sexual, not sexual assault or sexual misconduct, or I think there's a, there's a variance of them, but um, I have one here. I'm just going to read off this. Um, I'm just going to read off. It was right off of Roto world. So, uh, it was attorney Tony Busby said last week that he was representing at least a dozen women who alleged sexual misconduct against Houston quarterback. There are now 10 lawsuits against Watson for allegedly inappropriate behavior during massage, se- massage sessions over the past year. NBC Sports' Peter King reported Monday the NFL could place Watson on the commissioner's exempt list if Busby's files any criminal charges against him, meaning Watson would miss at least some of the 2021 season. If the, if the legal matters stretch into September for now, um, they're just civil varieties. So um, from a legal perspective, there has been no criminal charges placed at this time. Um, and I'm going to mention too a, a really good follow on Twitter. If, uh, if uh, any people are on Twitter, there is uh, drew Davenport. Um, he's a like, criminal expert with obviously a huge fantasy football perspective. So anytime like these accusations or charges or DUIs or, uh, or assault and all those types of things that have happened in football that not only obviously impact NFL, but impact fantasy football as well. Uh, he goes into great detail talking about what the, what the process is going to be and uh, all, all that kind of information as well. So I would definitely uh, recommend giving him a follow, uh, but he went into a 16 
16 uh, piece thread on Twitter talking about the, what the cases might look like, uh, what the severity of them are, uh, some of the information. And, but I mean, obviously it's a very sensitive topic. Um, I mean, people are kind of voicing their opinion either direction, but I think it does a lot of disservice and disjust, disjustice to be able to um, say like, whether you believe them or not, vice versa, like either side. Cause I mean, that's why we have the criminal system. That's why they can figure out exactly who's in the right, who's in the wrong. Uh, but I mean, that's uh, that's some tough news arm. What do you, what do you figure about that? Oh yeah. It's like you said, that's why we have the, the justice system we do. And, and uh, it's very serious accusations that have to be taken seriously. And um, it, it's tough to cheer for a guy when you hear about that kind of stuff too. So, um we'll find out when the when the dust settles here what what the courts say whether he's guilty or not speculation like hard to to imagine um all these accusations being false or anything like that right Absolutely. and and you always i i always kind of lean on on the victim side right you mm-hmm. you got to trust them until until it's proven that they're an untrustworthy worthy victim so absolutely and that's the thing like you want to believe either side but at the same time like we don't know any of the information we just know there's the accusations come forward um and like the 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 report this morning they're all a common thread it's all to do with the massage parlor it's all to do with essentially him exposing himself and then i think the report today said that he forced himself upon i it's just reports right and just it's making comments and, and we don't know any of the information like you said the dust will settle we'll, we'll know a little bit more but they have come forward saying that they don't think that this is going to impact his trade value too much that they think he's still probably going to be traded i just don't know to where or what it's going to impact but but like you said like we're fantasy football fans we we like to cheer like we have our own teams we're both uh we're both nsc north guys uh but you, we have guys we like to cheer for and at the end of the day, if these accusations are true and something does come forward about that, it's hard to cheer for a guy of that, you know, like it's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy. It's not, it's, it is a tough situation, but uh, that being said, like for a fantasy football, like moving away from the NFL and the, and the emotions out of it from a fantasy perspective, I think right now, like some people, it, it seems like there's nobody in the middle, really. It seems like either you're on one side or you're on the other, like, are you a, are you scared of his fantasy perspective or are you comfortable with it? And I mean, some guys are trying to buy him low because guys are panicking. Some are saying, we'll just wait and see. Where, where would you fit yourself in that, uh, in that spectrum there, Armand? Um, you know, his upside, if he makes it through these legal troubles, is so high that I think it's worth buying him. And his value is probably the lowest it's ever going to be. Yeah. You know, the only way it can go lower is if his career is completely done. Yeah. So I, I'm on the, the buy Watson train right now. Um, if I had him, like I wouldn't be getting rid of him yet. Um, Cause then you'd be selling low. So I, I think it's, it's worth going after. He, he has such a high ceiling that you, you got to make a move on it. Yeah. I've kicked, kicked some tires, but nothing's come, nothing's come up yet. <laughs> um, Russell Wilson. Okay. Last piece of news here. We'll talk about Russell Wilson. The trade rumors were spitting out, spitting out. 
if it didn't happen now, I don't think it's going to happen. Like it, their talks, maybe it'll happen in the uh, next year or, or deadline or something of that sort. But uh, Russell Wilson and the bears was kind of the landing spot that was potential. The offer uh, was reported three first round picks, a third round pick and two unnamed starters. And they chose not to accept that trade. Um, what do you, what do you figure? Like if you were, if you're the Seahawks and you had given that opportunity, would you be jumping on that or would you be sticking to your guns and, and trying to keep moving forward with, uh, with Russ? Well, he is a franchise QB, right? Like, there's no one better at the deep ball than him right now. Like he's super accurate when he throws that deep ball, but um, if he's unhappy, you got to think about moving him. Maybe the time's just not right for them. Um, they don't really have a backup. Like who is their backup even? Yeah. You know, I don't. So um, unless they went after one in the draft, then you need to develop them. So you need to well, sign someone. Actually, now that you say that, I'm pretty sure they're back with a seventh rounder who like got in a bar fight on, <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day. Now that you mentioned, I think actually, but I mean, yeah. neither here nor there. Like it's so that team is is hooped without him and with all those weapons that they have on offense, and they have some good solid players on defense, like. They're still kind of contending. Like, they're not a favorite or anything, but if someone told me the Seahawks won the Super Bowl next year, I wouldn't be, like, shocked. Yeah. But don't expect them to. So you, you got to kind of keep them because you get rid of him and, and you don't have a team anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough It's tough to commit to a full rebuild. And, I mean, as a the franchise and your fan base, it's not awesome, as you can see my – my Matthew Stafford picture behind me there. It's uh, <laughs> it's not awesome to be through a rebuild, especially when it's been a rebuild after rebuild, but I mean, yeah. what, can, what can you do? Right. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into our next segment here. Uh, keep trade cut. This is the new homes edition. So kind of continuing on the thread here of, uh, of players landing in new homes. We have one uh, we're going to do with quarterbacks and then we have another one we're going to do with receivers. So uh, quarterbacks, Keep trade cut. Uh, Carson Wentz landing in Indianapolis. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick landing on the Washington football team. And Andy Dalton in Chicago. Armin, keep trade cut. All right. So I am cutting Dalton. I'm not sure what he's going to do better than Trubisky or Foles. Um, so I'm, I'm cutting him. Uh, he's older. He's, he's, near the, he's past his prime kind of thing. So I think think you got to get rid of him. I don't even know where he'll go next year, right? Um, my trade is Fitzpatrick. Um, there's some buzz in Washington right now, especially after this offseason they're doing. Mm-hmm. He has some explosive weapons for this year, and he has proven he can produce with less weapons, I think. Um, so I think sell him now while he's high because who knows how many more of these one-year contracts he can, he can pull out of a hat, you mm-hmm. know, like eventually there's not going to be anybody wanting to get him, especially as a starter. So sell him while he's high and, and get, get some value out of him if you have him. And then keep Wentz um, kind of like w- with Watson, he's n- near the lowest value he's ever going to get. So like, if you don't have him, maybe he's a guy that you target in trades as well. Um, like I'd rather have Fitz on my roster this year than Wentz, but Wentz could end up coming back. He's in a good situation in Indianapolis. He's got the best 
well, one of the best O-lines in the league. And he's got some pretty good weapons around him with uh, Jonathan Taylor, Hines, and then uh, the receiving core there isn't, isn't nothing to scoff at. Like, they're not the amazing, but they're better than what he had in Philly last year, I think. Yeah. So, and no way he doesn't get better this year. Um, so, you pick him up, you pick him up cheap, and and hopefully he, he rises up to the level he was in 2017 again. Yeah, it's a tall, tall order, but I mean, if uh, hopefully, hopefully a new lining spot can help him out a bit. Uh, same as you, I went cut Andy Dalton. I went keep Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I went trade Wentz. Uh, same as you, then Dalton. It's just he didn't show me enough in Dallas to make me think that like, the weapons in Dallas were there, and yeah. it just kind of didn't come to fruition. So I think that um, that he would be my cut candidate. Fitzpatrick, I'm going to keep. Just I think he gives me a better opportunity to win. None of these three really jump out at me as like, I need to keep you by any means. And I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick gives me the best opportunity to win. He's surrounded by weapons. Uh, he's not scared to air the ball out. So he's really going to let it fly. And he's been in the past, you've shown that he's been able to support uh, lots of fantasy options. And he's been a definitely a plug and play uh, streaming quarterback. So I feel like I'm going to keep him and I'm going to trade Wentz. There's nothing that really shows me that's like, Hey, this is like why people are going to want to trade for him. It's just, I think he's better than Andy Dalton and maybe with the, some of the, like what's going on in Indianapolis, like you had mentioned, maybe people might be a little bit more intrigued to, uh, to go after uh, a Carson Wentz over an, an Andy Dalton. Like I said, the Andy Dalton, I don't like, I don't think Andy Dalton's better than what Chicago had going on in the past. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe change scenery, maybe helps him out a little bit, maybe better connection, but I will uh, keep Ryan Fitzpatrick trade Carson Wentz and then cut Andy Dalton. It's interesting uh, our, our point of view on both of those. I went more with the the building for the future, and you went for the value right now. Yeah, pretty interesting to see. It's so funny, actually. Like, thinking from dynasty, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick one of my dynasty leagues, and I put out a feeler just like thinking that he wasn't going to play anymore. So I it was right towards the end of the season. I said, like literally anything. Somebody give me like a like a late fourth, like in in that in that league we only have four rounds. So like it's give me like a fourth, like something. Like he's just gonna he might retire. I don't know, maybe take a runner or but be like spice it up for a trade or something like that as a throw in. And all of a sudden now it's like okay, I've actually people knocking on my door asking for for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like oh well you could have had him for a fourth uh, about four months ago, but now all of a sudden the price has been jacking up. Like you said, there's some excitement definitely going on in Washington. Yeah. Um, wide receivers, uh, new homes, wide receivers. We're going to go with, uh, Will Fuller, Corey Davis and Curtis Samuel. So Will Fuller now landing in Miami on the one-year deal. Uh, Corey Davis signed the, uh, three-year deal in, uh, in the, for the Jets and Curtis Samuel, uh, signing with the Washington football team. So, oh, and he also has a three-year deal as well, too. So, Armin, keep trade cut. Who we, uh, what are we doing with those three? All right. So, I'm cutting Will Fuller on this one. I think he's injury-prone, and he's a boomer bust player. He either has a big game or nothing. Just hard to rely on. And he's moving to a young quarterback that isn't a gunslinger, right? Like, if it was Herbert, maybe that's a better fit. But with Tua, he's, last year he showed that He's more comfortable dinking and dunking, and he rarely takes a shot downfield. And downfield is where Fuller is really excellent, and he's not really a possession-type guy. So this isn't a – I don't like this landing spot for him. So I think 
think he's going to be actually the third or fourth receiver on this team next year. I'm going to trade Corey Davis. He kind of broke out last year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think at, as the Jets, he if he comes out hot out of the gates, he could be a number one option to begin with. And then trade him before Denzel Mims starts breaking out. Um, and then I'm going to keep Curtis Samuel. He's a do-it-all player with a coach that likes do-it-all players. So it's kind of a match made in heaven there for him. And he, he sort of had a breakout season last year as well, and I expect him to keep building on that. I think he's going to build the most on, on last year out of those three guys. Yeah, building off what you said there, like Ron Rivera tried getting him. As soon as Ron Rivera went to the Washington, he tried trading for him. Didn't happen. Now you got him for, well, not necessarily nothing. Like you have to give him a pretty, pretty good contract. But you didn't have to give up any other assets or – uh, yeah. anything of that sort to get him. So that's kind of nice, but um, I'm going to trade Curtis Samuel. I think out of the three, he's going to have the biggest return and you can actually get pretty solid return for Curtis Samuel right now. Um, he's going to be the two. Um, there's a lot of hype around him. He's going to be battling for targets with Terry McLaurin. Like Terry McLaurin is going to be the one. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to be battling with him. Antonio Gibson, like he's going to get his work. So I'm thinking at best, he's probably going to be the third option on this team. Um, so, I mean, if you can get a pretty good value for a third option, and I think you definitely could, like, I still think he's a good fantasy asset, but I think I can get a, a pretty solid return for him. So I'd trade him. I'd cut Corey Davis. So I, I put, I put down here on my, uh, comments, Corey Davis is 2019 stat line. And I don't need to remind too many people that Corey Davis was kind of considered a bust. Like, especially considering the high draft capital spent. I think they thought he was a, definitely a bust. He had the breakout candidate uh, this past season. I guess, like you said, he had a pretty, pretty good season. He definitely capitalized on that on a contract year. But his 2019 stat year was 43 receptions for 601 yards and two touchdowns. Like, not really a guy I want on my team. Now, it's tough to say, like, is the 2020 year going to be more or less what we're going to see? Again, it's tough to tell. But I do know that um, he's probably going to be the two option, like you said, the Denzel Mims. So for the most part, that's why I'm cutting Corey Davis. I'm going to keep Will Fuller because to me, he is the only one here. Like he's the only true one, the guy. So even though he signed a one-year deal, um, I think he has the opportunity to maybe help to a little bit. Like you saw Josh Allen struggle a little bit until they picked up a true one and they got Stephon Diggs. Now, I don't know if Will Fuller is really a true one, but it definitely gives him the upside of being a one because he is the guy. Now, I mean, some may say, well, is Devontae Parker the one? It's like, I don't really, I think Will Fuller steps in and B's the one, um, but it might give him the confidence, you know, like before it was, he's throwing the ball downfield, but it was to receivers like Mac Collins, you know, guys that are, that were struck, like were just dropping balls. So, I mean, my confidence would be pretty shook too if, if I'm finally getting like the opportunity to throw it downfield and then it's dropped. So um, I don't know. I think, I think Will Fuller it's, but the, the other side to the coin here is too that those are juice numbers, you know, like he's going to be suspended in the first game of the 2021 season. And then we're going to see what is Will Fuller. Um, so I feel like there's a little bit of um, I guess uh, a gamble there, but uh, I think I'm going to keep Will Fuller cut Corey Davis and then trade Curtis Samuel. Yeah, that's where I kind of differ is I, I think I liked both Williams and uh, Parker in Miami better than, than Fuller right now. And then mm -hmm. they even got Jacecki who 
who has shown flashes at time too from the tight end position. So yeah, I, I just don't trust him yet, but yeah, I mean, he does have potential to be the number one guy there, Yeah, but I think, I, I think it'll be the other way. Yeah. I think I, I think I agree with you on the fact I trust Samuel the most. <laughs> like I think I trust him more than anybody else in there. It's just, he's probably getting you the this more solid return, especially with the hype right now. Like he's got the buzz, you know, so it's yeah. be able to get the return, but I do agree with you. I think I trust Curtis Samuel definitely more than anybody else on there. Um, all right. Our off season segment of this episode is, uh, is the free agent report card episode. So Armin and I both being teachers, um, uh, handing out the great, we hate report card time. Like I, I shouldn't speak on behalf of Armin, but I hate report cards. Uh, it's a pretty dreadful time for, for teachers, but it's the busiest time of the year. Yeah. You got to make sure you get the deadlines done, sent out all the assessments, everything done. But I'd say that this is definitely a, a report card time that, uh, I probably enjoy a little bit more than the standard. So, well, and, and before our new system, when it would, you had to save it every single time and delete all of a sudden or the system would fall off or something. Yeah. It's always report. Like, oh, no it's always report cards time when yeah. the technology seems constantly it doesn't want to work anymore it's like okay classic report card time my computer's crashing sweet yeah anyhow so fantasy football free agent report cards uh we'll start off with the quarterbacks running backs receivers and then we'll touch off on the tight ends and then we'll uh, wrap the episode up um i guess there's a lot of signings i'm just going to rifle through all the signings here in the quarterbacks and then we can kind of regroup because i know there's a couple we want to talk about a few more um cam newton resigning uh i, I love to see it especially after that was a tiktok video and that kid was just rinsing him at like his own camp like cam newton shows up to your football camp and then this yeah i mean i'm sure everybody's seen that video but as soon as i saw cam newton resigns like okay perfect like the kids yelling you're a free agent you're free uh, it's like no okay you're getting really signed like you're like an MVP Cam Newton and you're not a free agent Cam Newton, but anyway, so Cam Newton resigning with new England, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington on a one-year $10 million deal. Uh, Jameis Winston resigned for the one-year $12 million deal. Jacoby Brissett to Miami, uh, kind of as a backup role, Annie Dalton to, uh, Chicago, uh, the one-year $10 million, uh, 3 million in incentives. Tyrod Taylor to Houston, one year, 6 million, uh, which guarantee a $6 million contract but can be up to 12.5 million uh, Mitchell Trubisky to Buffalo on a one-year deal. And I think it was like 3 million or something really low. It might've even been lower than that. Um, Ryan Finley was traded to Houston from Cincinnati. Um, and then Kyle Allen to Washington on a one-year $850,000 deal. So uh, most of these are backup situations, uh, but a few kind of uh, headliners that are, um, are going to be stepping into uh, starting quarterback positions, which, uh, which one do you want to kind of maybe talk about first, Armin? Uh, I guess you, we started with Cam Newton here. We talked a bit about him, and, and I like it too, partially because of what you said. And then I think he'll be better this year than he was last year in the Patriots. You've heard people say that that offense is the hardest offense to learn, that it's extremely complicated. Um, Cam Newton was putting in the, in the hours last year to try and learn it. He had COVID partway through the year, threw him off track. You know, like, I, I think this year will be better for him and, and he'll, uh, he'll prove some doubters around. So I, I give that re-signing, let's say, a B plus. It was kind of obvious. It's a good move. Not a great move, but a good move by the past. Yeah, I guess when you 
especially when you consider the the options that are out there. Um, so I'm going to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the one year, $10 million deal. We talked about a little bit already, but this is sets up well for Washington. Um, you have a couple of the unknown uh, options. Like a, um, he steps in, he's the one for this year. You can draft somebody, you can keep rolling. Um, was it uh, Heine, Heinean or uh, what's his name there? The uh, young guy from, from Washington, the names escaped me here. Um, but he, like he played in that playoff game against, uh, against Tom Brady it looked pretty decent, but I think this gives him some time to develop. Um, so Fitzpatrick, with that one year, $10 million deal makes everybody in Washington look better. I think, uh, like it definitely gives the Terry McLaurin a little bit of a bump. Uh, I think it gives the running back situation a little bit bump, whether it's the pass game, the run game, whatever. Uh, and then obviously now Curtis Samuel. So I'm going to give that, uh, I'm going to give it an A. I don't think uh, like maybe even a B plus, I think just as the fact it's not like your franchise type guy, but um, maybe we'll settle on an A minus like for this, for this year, it's really good. But yeah. uh, I think obviously he's not the future by any means, but it's definitely gives everybody a bump in the fantasy fantasy world of the Washington football team. I agree. An A on that one. I love that signing actually. Yeah. Um, and he, he's going to be the window. The window is starting to open for, for them and he's a bridge for that gap before they find a franchise quarterback. For sure. Any other quarterbacks you want to mention here, Armin? Um, you know, Andy Dalton, I just want to say that's great. For, for my Vikings. <laughs> yeah, my, my Lions too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, the Lions need to lose more. We want a higher pick. Chicago uh, but for it. in all seriousness, a little under the radar one, Tyrod Taylor to Houston. It's the only good move Houston has made since uh, probably COVID started. He's in good insurance to Deshaun. And um, – it's just too bad he doesn't have any weapons. I, I actually like him as a quarterback. I think he's a bit underrated. So Yeah, like you said, that uh, the whole Houston and the – I think you said setting up their situation. I think that was the moment I kind of knew. That I was like, okay, like Deshaun's getting traded. Like you're brought in not only to bring in Tyra Taylor, but you also traded for Ryan Finley. So probably Ryan Finley would be the backup, I'd imagine, that situation. But yeah. you're setting yourself up to move forward. Like you don't bring in two – other quarterbacks in that situation to just kind of sit on the bench. So I think it kind of really was the tipping point that like this deal will for sure happen at some point here. So yeah. Um, one quarterback I want to talk about, and I'm going to give this signing a, I don't know if I want to go a full F, but I, I will for sure give it a D minus is Mitchell Trubisky to Buffalo for a one year, $3 million contract. If I'm Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, it's tough. Like you got to go wherever you get an offer. And maybe that was the only offer we don't know. Um, but man, you got to find a spot where you have the opportunity to possibly play. Like you just lost your spot in, in uh, Chicago. Now you're a free agent and everybody's kind of doubting you as like, you are not a starting quarterback. Well, don't go somewhere where you're going to be buried on a roster. I mean, I like the only way he's going to play is if things go bad for Buffalo and Josh Allen gets hurt. That's the only way he's going to see the field. So why wouldn't you go to a program like, I don't know, Chicago go to a program like maybe Philly where they are, they are a little bit upset. Like they weren't quite sure what they had with Wentz. So they let Wentz go thinking they Jalen hurts was good, but then Jalen hurts looked a little bit sketchy at times, go somewhere where maybe you can compete with somebody. Like or you're not Washington. 
Yeah, like Washington. Washington would be perfect. Like yeah. Fitzpatrick's there for one year. Go compete there. Fitzpatrick leaves, then you step into that role. That's a really good example. Or even like you said, Houston with maybe Deshaun. Like those are those are spots where he needed to go, not go where one of the youngest quarterbacks in the league that, that is elite. Like you're not <laughs> going to see the field in Buffalo. So yeah. for somewhere that you need to prove yourself, I feel like that was a terrible signing. And like I said, maybe that was the only offer he got. So then I guess at the end of the day, you can take what you can get. But he's getting paid less than a lot of these backup quarterbacks. Like Jacoby Brissett is getting paid more than than uh, Trubisky is. And maybe Brissett gets a chance in Miami. Maybe the two of the thing doesn't pan out. We don't know, right? Those are things where we don't know how it's going to pan out. I'm I'm pretty confident Josh Allen's going to pan out. Like he, if he would have won the MVP, I wouldn't have been shocked this last year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So to me, that's a terrible signing. I, I whether that's fa- like fantasy perspective, it doesn't matter. But uh, from a like an overall just NFL perspective, that's a terrible signing. I think Mitchell Trubisky could have done a lot better than that. I I agree. Like for him as a as a quarterback and his whole career it's it might might be bad maybe he got sold on their quarterback coach look at what he did for for josh allen there maybe he's like this quarterback coach is awesome i want to be coached by him for a year and figure my my game back out yeah that's tough that's that's tough the guy that got traded up for taken with the second overall pick and then just didn't pan out and you know those things happen but i mean it's an opportunity to maybe bounce but look at Mariota, didn't quite pan out went to vegas and then when Carr was out he looked pretty good like a new new chance of scenery and then an opportunity to potentially play hopefully things bounce back for him a little bit too but only time will tell i guess there um running backs i'll uh, i'll go through i mean this like we can probably hit off a few i'll kind of list off a couple big ones here obviously the aaron jones resigning that's a big one. Four year, 48 million. Chris Carson resigning two year, 14.6 million. Uh, the Kenyon Drake one, oh boy. I'm sure we'll talk about that one, but that one hurts the soul. Two year, 11 million. Uh, Kyle Hughes check resigned. I, I think people underestimate how important he is to that San Francisco offense, but that's a big resigning. Five year, 27 million. Um, Jamal Williams to Detroit, two year, 7.5 million. And after that, it's kind of smaller deals like Devontae Booker to the Giants. Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville, Marlon Mack resigning for a year, Malcolm Brown to Miami, Daryl Williams resigning for a small pay, Lamar Miller resigning with Washington, and then Philip Lindsay, I guess, is kind of a decent one, even though that Houston backfield is getting quite crowded now at this point. But Houston, uh, Philip Lindsay to Houston for the one year, $3.25 million. Um, obviously, we got the four, we got the three big ones, sorry, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake. Those are probably the biggest ones for fantasy. Uh, but I have a hidden gem that I'll mention a little bit after too, but which one do you want to maybe take a swing at first there, Armand? All right. Um, let's go Aaron Jones here. I think this is great for him. Um, and almost anywhere he landed would have been, been great for him. Like it would have been hard for him not to, to get a good, good situation because the team's going for him would have needed him. No one would have been bringing him in to be a backup. So uh, keep buying him. I think his PPR value is going to go up this year because Williams is gone and he was more on passing downs kind of thing. And the other guy left is AJ Dillon who hasn't done much in the passing game ever. I mean, he said he wants to learn how to be a better pass, pass catching back and stuff, but until he proves it, Aaron Jones is going to get that PPR value. Standard league, 
I think he might take a small hit from A.J. Dillon if A.J. Dillon heats up because they're going to want him on the field and they're going to be wanting to rest Jones a little bit and give him yeah. some, some breathers here and there to catch a breath. So um, standard league, he might take a small hit, but PPR, I think he's going to actually rise up a little bit more. Right on. Um, I guess I'll hit off uh, Chris Carson resigning two-year, $14.6 million. Uh, I'm going to give this one an A+. Plus. A plus plus, if that's even possible. So Chris Carson, a seventh round draft pick, um, making a little bit of money. That's awesome for him. Uh, seventh rounder. I mean, sometimes you don't even know if you're going to be able to stick around in the league, but to be able to sign up for a two year, $14.6 million deal, it's pretty good. Uh, and then for fantasy perspective, it's even better because Seattle just came out saying that they want to run the ball more, run the ball more, run the ball more. That's terrible for, for Russ, <laughs> but for Chris Carson, it's awesome. And to be honest, there's nobody else there. The free agent period is still young. Uh, we could end up where maybe another uh, another running back ends up signing there. Um, but with uh, Carlos Hyde leaving, all we're left is with Rashad Penny. And to be honest, I'm not super scared of Rashad Penny. He might touch in a little bit, um, but it's setting up Chris Carson to be a premier bell cow back. Chris Carson's always he's, he's been always kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, underestimated like his fantasy value is always kind of later in the draft than you would normally expect. And it's also like, man, every time you look back, it's like, man, really Chris Carson was drafted there. It's like, how come he wasn't earlier? And it's, it, it keeps going and going, but I think uh, this might be the one year where maybe it gets that little bit bump up, especially with the news of Seattle wanting to run the ball more and, and obviously being kind of the, the guy left. So uh, I'll yeah. give that one an A plus. I should go back on my grade for that one is, a, not a plus, but a. Yeah, still, still, I'll take it. Still want to yeah. put it on the fridge. Um, Kenyon Drake, that's who I want to talk about next. I know you'll probably want to say a few things too here. <laughs> I'll, I'll say the grade right away, right off the bat. I'm giving it an F. Yeah. Get that garbage out of here. Um, he, uh, <sighs> Las Vegas with him and Jacobs. Oh. I think like it's gonna it's gonna be a fight out to see who the starter is. I guess like that if they try and play them equally, it might be good for the team as as a whole team maybe. But fantasy wise, that's gonna destroy both of them because I don't think Vegas can run the ball enough with enough efficiency to support two running backs in fantasy. Yeah, I'm uh I'm well as a guy that has a lot of Josh Jacobs shares, I am really concerned about this. Like there was conversations last year about Jacobs getting involved in the past game. It, it was not bad. It, it did happen a little bit, but not a whole lot because uh, Jalen Richard is still there and they signed him to a pretty decent little deal last year. Um, so he's still going to be their pass catching back. Now, Kenyon Drake's coming in. Is he going to be the goal line guy? Like, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, really a goal line guy. I know that's what I mean. Like the <laughs> NFL teams have to do what's best for NFL teams. Like we just we're on the outside looking in as fantasy football people, but this just stinks for both. Like if you own Drake and you own Josh Jacobs, like that's worst case Ontario right there. Like that is just not what you want. Like, yeah. like that is uh, like you said, F. Because it hurts everything. It hurts all around. Like you don't want to have either one because you can't trust either one. And I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where like, well, what do you do? Like. Right now, I'll say, um, let's go with the name, Josh Jacobs or, I don't know, what's another running back? And we can say, like, who would you rather have? Like, Josh Jacobs or, let's go Jamal with, Williams. yeah, Jamal Williams. Who would you rather have? 
Like I'm almost. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the point where it's like pretty like close. Like it, yeah. last year, you're talking about Austin Eckler or or taking Jacobs. Like which one? Yeah. And then it was like okay, flip the top. Now it's a clear cut. Like not even a competition. Like like even Ronald Jones. I think I'd rather have Ronald Jones than than yeah. Josh Jacobs right now. Like, I would. That's he's he's well Fournette's gone. So as of right now, like he's kind of the guy. But once again, like Ronald Jones was nothing to be desired like last yeah. year. But now it's like okay, clear cut over Jacobs, which just because it's the uncertainty and I feel like they're both just gonna hurt each other. It's it's not not the ideal situation. Even like Todd Gurley right now has more fantasy value. Yeah. And and he's not even on a team right now. <laughs> like oh man. Um any other any other running backs you want to mention, Armin? I know I do have one left here, but maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll actually, you know, I'll mention it now. Uh, we did talk about Jamal Williams. And now I, I think Jamal Williams is somebody that um, I think is going to be a, a, a good asset. Um, Cause as a two year, $7.5 million deal staying in division. Uh, some people are like, ah, you know what? That's going to, that's going to hurt a lot of stock. That's the Detroit doesn't run the ball. And you know, like, but they obviously want to like they're bringing him in Swift's there and everybody's all scared that this is going to hurt Swift's value. Now I think Jamal Williams is kind of going to be a sneaky play coming into draft season because like the pass catcher, that's what everybody wanted the Swift to be getting involved in the pass game. And he is like, well, was kind of slotted into that. But now as Jamal Williams, you've seen what he did in uh, green Bay, he can catch the ball and he is in their fast paced tempo offense so, I mean, I think he still holds a little bit of value and he might be uh, somebody that you can get pretty cheap and might be a sneaky play coming into the, the next year. Yeah. Um, my sneaky would be, would be Philip Lindsay. I like, you know, like there's tons of IRBs there now and it's saturated, but um, he is a potential sleeper. David Johnson wasn't lighting the world on fire last year. It would be super easy for Lindsay to come in and, and steal that starting job because yeah. He, he probably is the best or at least close to the best on that team now. So it, it could be, could be a sneaky pick to pick him up. Yeah. Just the only problem is with such a busy backfield, like he, he has to emerge. So he might yeah. be sitting on him for a little bit, but I do agree with you that I don't, I don't think it's going to be hard to beat out Mark Ingram. Like I, that, that's something still like kind of, I don't quite understand a little bit, but, uh, but the Lindsay one, I do agree with you. He's younger. I think he's more talented. So I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to be able to play that one out. Yeah. Um, wide receivers. I'll go through the list here. There's, I mean, there's a ton, some worth, some worth mentioning some, I'll just kind of browse over to tell, talk about them being on a new team, I guess, but Kenny Galladay to the giants four year, 72 million, 40 guaranteed Corey Davis to the jets three year, 37.5 million, 27 guaranteed. Juju Smith-Schuster resigning one year, eight million. Uh, Will Fuller to Miami, one year, up to ten million dollars. Uh, Curtis Samuel to Washington for the three years, three point five million, twenty four point five million guaranteed. Uh, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar both went to New England. Nelson Aguilar got a pretty big payday. He was one of the first receivers to come off the board there. And again, two years, twenty six million, which is pretty good for Aguilar when he got basically yeah. booed out of Philly. Yeah. Um, Jamal Agnew. Uh, to Jacksonville, uh, Marvin Jones to Jacksonville as well. So two Detroit guys I know going to Jacksonville. Uh, Jones's contract was a two-year, fourteen point five million, uh, nine point two guaranteed. Uh, John Brown to Vegas, Emmanuel Sanders to Buffalo, AJ Green to Arizona, 
Keelan Cole to the Jets, John Ross, the Giants, Josh Reynolds, Tennessee, and then Houston kind of picking up a bunch of random Dante Moncrief, Alex Erickson, Chris Conley. Other than that, that kind of breaks it. David Morin to Carolina for two years, Prashad Perriman to Detroit for a year. I think that pretty well does it. Like, there's a few more, but not really worth mentioning a whole heck of a lot. But a few we can talk about here. Uh, who's one you want to take a swing at right off the bat, Armand? All right, let's uh, let's start with Juju re-signing here. Um, he's in a known situation, and we roughly know what to expect from him this year. And that's not going to change too much, I don't think. Um, I think where it hurts fantasy-wise is if you have uh, James Washington stocks. If Juju would have left, Washington would have been going up, up, up. But uh, I think uh, the way it worked out last year, I think it's going to continue that way. Washington's not going to see the field too much. And it's going to be mostly Claypool, Johnson, and Juju out on the field. And, and I think they can still support three, three receivers that way. Um, cause they have no run game and they haven't signed a running back. Yeah. So, um, I think I'll continue to be same old as last year for that receiving group. Yeah. So I wasn't actually going to double up, but I think I am going to talk about Juju there for a second. Uh, I don't, I don't know what's kind of a uh, grade value you were going to give him there, but I gave it a D minus. And I mean, uh, maybe to him, whatever, but like, maybe not like fantasy wise, it sucked. Juju leaving would have been awesome. Like you said, for the leftover receivers that were there would have been yeah. great. Um, but I also think it sucked for sucks for him. Like for anybody that owned Juju, like if you're going to take, so he's, he's betting on himself, taking the one-year deal, betting on himself. Like he didn't get the big contract. Like he was expecting take a one-year flyer and a team to help you like really showcase yourself. And I don't think Pittsburgh is the team to showcase yourself. Like no, it's going to be no different than last year. And I know he made a statement saying he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, wants to be there long-term, all those types of things, right? But, like, for me, why wouldn't you take the one-year flyer, go to Green Bay? You get, take, get paid very minimal, take the year, and are you telling me that Aaron Rodgers can't make you look better than Ben Roethlisberger? You're going to be a clear-cut two in Green Bay in a team that likes to move the ball and moves the ball well, where in Pittsburgh – you can argue, is he the one? Is he the two? Is he the three? Like, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, Deontay Some Johnson is the four. Exactly. Like, Deontay Johnson, I think, is yeah. the one. Maybe the two. It's kind of hard to tell. Claypool coming off a really good season. He could be the two. He could be the three. He could be one. It's very. It's a lot of uncertainty. I feel yeah. like that was a tough, not a very good spot for him. But uh, Kenny Galladay to the Jets. That's, uh, I'm going to give that, or to the Jets, sorry, to the Giants. My apology. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give that one a B. Plus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, gets the payday, big money, uh, but it's one of those ones where it could have been worse and it could have been better. Like you could have been Baltimore and you could have been really upset with your fantasy stocks, um, or you could have ended up in I don't know, like a real pass heavy offense. But of all the one, like I think of all the teams that are rumored around, I think uh, the Giants ended up being a, a not bad landing spot. It's just, do you really trust what's happening there? Like, and they they obviously want to run the ball first, but do you trust Jones to be able to move the ball? I think this is going to be a big telling year for him, like kind of almost like a, like a sink or swim type year. Uh, so you got to surround him with the weapons because if he can't do it with the weapons around him, he's never going to get it done. So I feel like it's a good situation for him. He gets paid um, fantasy wise. It's a little bit of unknown, but I mean, you still have a premier talented receiver on your fantasy team. So it can't, it doesn't get, doesn't get much worse. Like it could have been, could have been the Baltimore. It could have been a whole, a whole lot worse. So. Yeah. 
I, I agree with your analysis completely. I actually pretty much had the exact same thing verbatim written down for him. I would have given it a C, but also Juju, I give a C to that one. Oh, as yeah. well. They're they're average moves. They're not move the needle moves. For sure. We talked about Will Fuller already. We talked about Curtis Samuel already. I mean, do you want to maybe talk a little bit more about that or are we good moving on from those two? I think, uh, yeah, we talked about them enough. I think um, uh, a I kind of want to talk about uh, Marvin Jones here. Yep. Um, he's the most proven receiver there now. Um, Connolly's gone, so it's kind of him and Westbrook and then Cheneau kind of hoping to break out here soon. So I don't mind the move for him actually, especially if it's Trevor Lawrence, he'll be a nice, uh, nice veteran presence for him. And I think it could help out both Trevor Lawrence and him yeah. um, fantasy wise. He's got that deep threat option. He's, yeah. he's, I mean, he's, he did it with Detroit. Um, hopefully Lawrence can be able to air the ball up for him too. I think, I don't he's know if it was my, player. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was my favorite landing spot for him. I think there was other spots that could have been yeah. a little bit nicer for him, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, Go, go where the money is, right? So I, I give that one a B, B minus kind of a yeah, And I said a C plus, so kind of right in the wheelhouse there. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, eh, it's one of those ones that's that's a, a senior deal. Go and go and be a veteran presence. Um, but I, I do want to mention um, AJ Green. I think that's a pretty good signing. It, it sucks for if the Arizona Cardinals receivers that you're hoping to get the next year jump, like some of those younger guys. Yeah. Cause I think he's going to take up quite a few targets. Like obviously Hopkins is going to get his work, but then I think AJ Green's going to become the next target where you saw the end zone targets or the red zone targets, sorry, especially in the end zone, didn't really go to Hopkins. Um, I think now that's where AJ Green's going to step in. Cause before you saw those targets kind of getting sprinkled around. I mean, Isabella kind of got a bit of work in there. Like it was kind of that end zone work. Yeah. Uh, Dan Arnold, even though he's on a new team now, he got some of the end zone. Um, like, I don't think you can automatically say that's going to Hopkins now, like I said, didn't to begin with. But I think A.J. Green being a big body, I think he's going to be definitely a, a guy to target for fantasy value because I think he's going to have quite a few touchdowns uh, in the red zone. But, uh, yeah, it's, I, it's you know, he's, he's older, but you take what you can get, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I after analyzing it a little bit closer and looking at things in Arizona, I, I give that one an A minus A kind of grade. Um, he'll do better than he did last year. I originally was like, is he going to be fantasy relevant again? And then I kind of looked a little bit closer at it and I was like, I didn't realize Dan Arnold left. And like, he actually put up not like amazing numbers, but there's 500 yards there that needs to be taken up. Yeah. And then you think about like the production Kirk had last year, again, not amazing, but good yardage, good amount of touchdowns, AJ Green, should be ahead of him in the pecking order there too. I would, I would assume so for sure. Yeah. So I think there's going to be good opportunity for him there, like you said, and he's a big body that can be targeted in the, in the red zone for Murray instead of Murray always having to scramble and make things up on his own now. Absolutely. Uh, one last one before we move on here. I just want to mention Josh Reynolds, Tennessee with Corey Davis kind of leaving. I think Josh Reynolds steps into that role. Like he was kind of a sneaky play with the Rams uh, now signing with Tennessee, I think he's going to be a sneaky play. Like he could be a, a late round pickup or uh, like a late round draft pick type thing that I think he uh, he's going to have some upside. Obviously, AJ Brown's their one, but who's going to be their two? It was vacant until Josh Reynolds signed. So I think like that's the one that's going to go under the radar a little bit. So I feel like uh, 
definitely come draft season, I think we're going to hear his name uh, on this show a couple times because I feel like he's going to be one of my sneaky pickups. But yeah, that that I agree with that. And with uh, Janu Smith leaving too, it, it yeah. does open it up. Yeah, we'll talk about him leaving with uh, one of my other sneaky plays. I guess apparently I'm I'm being sneaky about Tennessee, but I, I don't think I think it's a little bit late to <laughs> jump on that uh, wagon. But uh, tight ends. So the two big oh. ones, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry to New England, uh, four year, fifty million for Jonu and three year, thirty seven point five million for Hunter Henry. Uh, Gronkowski resigning for one year, ten million. Uh, Anthony Furster, uh, Fursker resigning for one year uh, deal with uh, Tennessee. Jared Cook one year up to six million for the Chargers. Gerald Everett to Seattle. Kyle Rudolph to the Giants. Dan Arnold to Carolina. Uh, Tyler Croft to the Jets, Jacob Hollister to Buffalo, and then Ryan Izzo got traded from New England to Houston for a seventh rounder. So a few names to talk about. I mean, tight end position is kind of one of those ones where you never know what you're going to get, but uh, new landing spots can mix things up a little bit. So um, we can uh, we can take a, take a swing here, Armin. I know you want to talk about the tight ends a little bit uh, in the next segment, so maybe we'll kind of hold off on those two, or what do you figure? Uh yeah, we can we can hold off on uh, on Janu and, and Henry. Yeah, till till the next segment. Uh, I'll I'll go to Gerald Everett here. I think this one low key is is big. I I give it a football grade of of A plus for Seattle, and then fantasy wise, I'll I'll give it a B plus. Um, he when Russ has a good tight end, he targets him. Um, you look at when Disley's healthy. Disley's getting yards and touchdowns. So I think Everett is an, is an upgrade both versatility-wise um, for Russ and just like being able to stay on the field-wise for Russ. Um, Disley was a good receiver, but I think Everett's going to end up seeing the field a bit more than Disley, and, and I think he could end up becoming relevant, especially if, if he fully takes it away from Disley and, and become maybe a top 10 yeah. production. That the news is also big for for Hagby too. Like with him leaving, that leaves the door wide open in in, in LA. So it's I'm interested to see what Stafford maybe does with Hagby. I know Goff really like targeting him. We'll see. We'll see what Stafford has to do. But that that news is big on two different spectrums because before it was kind of crowded. And now you know what you got with both of them being in two different landing spots. Uh, Jared Cook is one I liked. The uh, replacing that uh, Hunter Henry leaving, he steps into that that role. Um, I think this is going to be big. I think he's going to be a, a target that's going to be found in that end zone. It's, the only problem is it's going to be hard to hard to know going into this year. Is it going to be more of the same of just the Kyle Allen or the Kyle Allen, the Keenan Allen show, or is it going to be spread around a little bit more? But I think Jared Cook, um, especially as a kind of a late round tight end pickup, I think with a, definitely with some upside there. Um, other than that, uh, the, oh, the Anthony First guy, I think he's too is a potential breakout candidate unless like, Tennessee picks somebody else up. Like there was times where he out targeted and had more receptions than uh, than Jonu, while they were both in Tennessee. Now Jonu leaving leaves that door wide open for uh, for Firster for Firsker. So I think he uh, I think he might be a like a little hidden gem kind of going into the draft season next year. Especially if you just throw the tight end position to to the Wolves and take it late. That might be a guy that you can take your shot on and might be able to like I said, may find a little bit of gold at the end of the draft. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, anybody else you want to mention there? I know Gronkowski got signed. We kind of talked about that last episode, but is there anybody else you want to maybe mention before we, before we move on to our final segment? I'd keep an eye on Rudolph here. Um, Engram gets hurt a lot. 
So Rudolph could be a good uh, waiver wire pickup in the, in the season. So just make sure you watch the that the Giants and and see if Engram gets hurt and then pick up Rudolph because that could be a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit like I just saw the report probably actually 20 minutes before we started here that apparently doing their after they picked him up doing their physical they're actually a little bit more concerned about his foot I guess so it might be something to kind of watch for there too and see just the, the saga of his of his health health check I breaking guess too. news breaking news <laughs> yeah in in pod in pod news break I guess yeah um okay final final segment here the uh, ice cold hot takes uh this is kind of a funny one we were both talking about what we were going to uh discuss and I was like oh hey well uh same same topic, just apparently polar polar opposite opinions. So I'll let Armin <laughs> take it away first here. Uh, Armin, your ice cold hot take. Let's uh, let's hear it for today's episode. All right, we're going to Janu and Smith, Janu Smith and Hunter Henry here. I am giving those a grade of A because I think in my ice cold hot take here that both of them will finish in the top eight in fantasy for tight ends this year. Hey, this is my reasoning behind it. This is this is how I I'm seeing it here. Is Bill Belichick? He loves to not show his hand, right? He he's trying to be sneaky. That's why he loved Gronk so much, right? Is he could have Gronk on the field, they wouldn't know whether it's a run or a pass. Hey, I think with both Henry and Smith, they're both very versatile. They can play kind of all over the slot, the the tight end position. Henry a bit more than than Smith. But then Smith also adds a, a dimension of running. He's, he's showing in, in limited runs and touches, but he has shown that he can be efficient at it and can break a big one if need be. And, and Henry, I think, can line up in the slot. So I think both these guys are going to see be on the field at the same time a lot during the season, um, most snaps, and that's because of their versatility. Um, I think the vision here is they could – line up as double tight or in spread right you look at the tight end position now in the nfl and it is one where you just need to be an all-around good football player they're lining the guys up from fullback wing tight end slot you know i think the only thing i haven't seen is a is a tight end lineup in, in the wide out position you know so i think we're going to see a lot of that with those guys moving around the formation running the ball and and doing a lot of different things in in that uh, New England offense. Um, so I, I think they're going to be, be good fantasy value there. And, and the last part of it too is I think they have the most production to their name besides Algalore on that <laughs> out of receivers for New England right now too. Yeah, and Algalore has never proven to be dependable. He kind of has the case of the drops. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can tell by like they weren't confident with the receiving core they had. Um, then they signed Aguilar and they signed, uh, was it Kendrick Bourne from yeah. San Francisco? So, I mean, still nobody really jumping out at you being like, like elite trying to get those new England uh, receiving targets. But my, uh, my hot take here, my ice cold hot take. And cause I, I feel like uh, sometimes you bet on the Patriots or bet against the Patriots, it's going to bite you in the ass. But my ice cold hot take is actually a little bit different than Armin's. So my take is that the New England Patriots is going to be a very good NFL team, but will be a terrible fantasy football team. And what I mean by that is that I believe 
New England Patriots are not only going to make the playoffs, I think they have a chance to win the division. Okay. Now I know they had a rough year. Um, people are really doubting on Cam Newton and I don't blame them. He had a really rough year, but I truly think that with the accusation or the accusation with the, uh, with the requirements that they've got this past off season with some of the guys they picked up, um, they not only made their offense seemingly better on paper, but they made their already incredibly good defense even better. Okay. They signed some big names on the defensive side. They're also getting some big names back from uh, the the year of sitting out because of COVID. So I feel like their defense from 2019, that was like potentially the, like literally the MVP of, of uh, football. Like if you had the, if you had the Patriots defense, you were winning games single-handedly. They were putting up 26, 30 points as that a defense. Such, such a weird thing to see too. And it was consistent. So yeah. my, my take is that you don't want anybody, no offensive player. If anything, you want the defense. Okay. And here's why. Okay, so the new signs create a lot of uncertainty around who's actually going to get the ball. Now, all arrows point towards the tight ends, but you're not going to be able to trust either one of them. Like, if you, like you're not going to get them both and start them both, and then even then you might be just burning a position. So one day it might be a Hunter Henry week. Next week it might be a Jonu Smith week. You don't really know. And from a tight end position, I know it's, <laughs> it's really hit or miss. You can't really trust either one of them. I think they're both going to cost very high draft uh, draft picks. So the draft investment in their ADP compared to their return, I don't think is going to be worth it. Uh, Cam Newton's arm issues. Uh, he really showed that he struggled throwing the ball. I don't know if that's because of the surgery or if he's just, that's what we can expect from Cam moving forward. But he only threw for, was it 2,600? Here we go, 2,600 yards and eight touchdowns this year. The entire season, eight touchdowns he only threw. So... I mean, you, you distribute those eight touchdowns, even if one tight end gets all of them, then, then, okay, then we're talking business here, but I just can't see it. I mean, you did rush for 14 touchdowns. So in certain aspects, streaming cam could be okay, but you can't trust him. He showed it in the past that you couldn't trust him. Uh, and I, they're a run first team. And they also have rumors of trying to pick up another running back. So I feel like they're going to be a run first, whether it's be somewhere they're going to put the eggs in the basket of Sony Michelle, or they're going to pick up a free agent like Leonard Fournette, or they're rumored to try and get Chris Carson uh, and be a run first team. And they're just going to rely on their good defense. Like you want to, if you relying on a good defense to win you games, you're running the football because you're trying to burn the clock. So I feel like they're going to try and heavily, heavily rely on their defense to win football games and just run the football. So, I mean, at the end of the day, what are you left with? You're left with somebody that you don't really want to have any positions from new England for offense, that their defense is probably the only thing you might actually want uh, for a fantasy perspective, but they will be a very good NFL team, make the playoffs, maybe win the division, but will not support any solid fantasy football players year, uh, a year round. That's uh, that's my take. So me and Armin, I guess at the end of the season, we'll figure out uh, which one was, I uh, actually right because I guess for sure of us one will be right and one of us will be wrong. But uh, anything, uh, any last little comments here before we wrap this episode up, Armin? You know, let's uh, let's keep it going. We got some good comments back from uh, our first episode and some good uh, suggestions on how we could improve it. And let's uh, keep keep building and getting better. I, I'm enjoying this. This was a lot of fun today. Yeah, I. Uh, I I was actually thinking like, man, we should just do like one every week. Cause I was like so eager to do it again. Like it was a lot yeah. of fun, but yeah, we, like Armin mentioned, there's actually a lot, quite a few more people 
tuned in that I actually had anticipated. I thought we'd be in the single digits, but we ended up in triple digit territory. So that was actually kind of nice to see from our first episode and just kind of things taken off there from that way. Yeah. But I guess now that I mentioned, guess, oh, go ahead, Armin. I guess you'd say thank you to everyone who did watch and liked it and commented and everything. Appreciate your support. Keep it coming. Absolutely. Yeah. So check us out, um, Instagram and Twitter at 306 FFB, um, follow us and subscribe on not only YouTube, but, uh, we're now also on Spotify. Uh, we're also on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. Uh, we're on iHeartRadio. So any sort of streaming platforms, you'll be able to find us on there. Uh, just type in 306 fantasy football, give us a like, give us uh, subscriptions, uh, even share the accounts a little bit. Uh, and hopefully we can kind of keep, uh, keep the good times rolling. Like Armin said, it's been a lot of fun and, and, uh, hopefully, uh, this is something that we can continue to do and have a lot of fun doing it. So, uh, I guess that'll pretty well wrap it up for this, uh, this segment here for the, uh, episode number two, the free agent report cards edition. Uh, I guess, uh, thanks for listening to this episode guys and, uh, and take care. We'll talk soon. Have a good day, everyone.